Hello and welcome to Here's the Pitch, sponsored by Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis. You know all about them. I know all you people watching these podcasts here on YouTube have checked them out. So hopefully you do if you're coming through St. Louis. MassesSTL.com is the website. And today I'm really excited. I mean, I love rock and roll. I love 80s rock and roll. One of my all-time favorites is, is joining me today. It's David Lee Roth. I can't believe it. Hello, Diamond Dave. How are you? That's Diamond David Lee Roth there in St. Louis. How you doing? Do you remember? Do you remember being at the arena in the eighties? Like the, the how, tell me some some great St. Louis stories, David. I don't remember the arena too much, but I do remember the strip club. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was something called Little Bo Peeps, you know. And I peeped out in, you know, and I rolled on down to the local strip club because to me that was the arena. You know, ones and fives. Who doesn't like a who doesn't like a nickel bag to the knees? <laughs> Give me a little running with the devil, Dave. <laughs> Just a scream. <laughs> oh, you. All right. Oh, you get this morning. It's early, you know. That's uh <laughs> We're in different, different time zones. I think that's what happened uh when Magellan Magellan went out or you had uh the guy that went out with all the two animals. You know what I mean? And Noah. Noah's Ark. I think that was the problem. You hit different time zones. <laughs> that <laughs> and is... you keep one animal species at a time. <laughs> now you, got, you got me as David Lee Roth now. <laughs> that is, that is of course, Billy Mira, not David Lee Roth. And uh, I thank Billy for joining me. And we were just talking. Um, you do this David Lee Roth impression, and it, it's really awesome. But what's great about what you get to do with that is David makes no sense when he's talking. Any interview, he's not going to answer the question. So when you get to do the impression, you just you just thought That's that exactly you, you, you thought Magellan had an ark. It's Magellan, right? Exactly. Or was it Noah? You know, <laughs> they both were two guys on a mission. That's what <laughs> kind of like Van Halen, and that's what he would do. He would just go off into these ridiculous tangents, and uh, somehow though they seem to make some kind of sense at the end you were kind of like I, I think i extrapolated something from that you know that was and that's ex what we did with the characters yeah even I, the aussie the aussie was because i never knew you know when he was talking about it because he just basically you know he don't you know what the hell he's saying half the time but ozzy's a lot smarter than you think he is which is the funnier part of the whole thing he just sounds like he doesn't make any sense but he in essence, does he's got some wisdom there well, somewhere? I, I felt like that show was almost—I mean, it was you know reality TV at the very beginning of reality, reality TV, but it was clearly scripted, and they clearly gave him things to do, and he clearly knew that ah, I'm just going to look like the old rock and roll star, you know, the the the, the guy who you know bit bit heads off of bats, uh, but I'll just I'll just mumble around the house, which you know he doesn't. <laughs> Maybe he does. Right, uh, right, exactly. I mean, you know, he, he just. Um, they kind of yeah that's and that's what most reality shows are they're not really as much reality but i think that what makes the osbournes the show that everybody remembers is it's because it's the one that really in my opinion kind of sparked the whole craze off at the time you know that really for some reason put that whole reality show craze into effect at that point point. and then came jessica simpson and nick lachey yeah god bless america so, Billy, thank you again for joining me and doing your David Lee Roth off the top. And, uh, again, a lot of people have been joining these uh, podcasts to see some former Stern uh, guests and uh, people that work there. 
And uh, I think everyone, I mean, you can tell me, but I feel like a lot of people got to know you because of the David Lee Roth impression that you did on Stern. How did it, how did it come about? How did the David Lee Roth? And, and as I said to you too, I don't, I still don't think I hear anybody else doing David Lee Roth. I know now it's pop, probably not as current as it would have been in 2002. It's still great, obviously, but you don't hear it. But tell me a little bit about how it, how it came about that you're doing David Lee Roth. Oh, so, and- so that's funny you should say that. So yeah, and I always say a lot of people say, you know, what moment of their career is something that it's all timing and being at the right place at the right time. So I did probably the two perfect impressions at exactly the right time. I'd always been doing Ozzy Osbourne impressions, and a lot of people forget that unless you're like, you remember back, oh, yeah, I remember when you used to do Ozzy on the show. And then one day they just came to, it was like right around, I met uh, Sal out. It was uh, the first time I was on the show at all. I called into the show because Ozzy was there with, I think, um, Jack or somebody. And I started doing an impression over the phone. And I think John picked up and he instantly put me through. And uh, Howard started making fun of me and he hung up on me. And this is like a one in a billion story. That night, I, who do I run into but Sal Governale, Sal the stockbroker, but way before he was on the show. We were both doing comedy at a venue on Long Island. And, um, I said to a friend that was sitting next to him, I didn't even know he was there. I said, you know, yeah. I called, he goes, well, you look so bummed. I said, I called to the Howard Stern show today. I thought I did the greatest Aussie impression. And Howard hung up on me and told me how bad it was. He goes, everybody's been trying to figure out who the guy is that was doing that impression. I'm going to have you on the show in five days. I'm like, no way. In five days, we, that, that, was, that was what started everything. And I started doing call-ins. So that was like a chance meeting. And I happened to do the right impression at the right time because at the time the Osbournes was really taking off and Howard was very close to Ozzy. So it was perfect to interject it. And then that's how I got to know everybody that worked on the inner circle. And one day Gary walked up to me <laughs> as I was leaving the studio. Cause I used to walk in sometimes I would come in dressed as Ozzy and I would just sit there and I would just talk to the guys and ask some ridiculous questions, you know, and I, would, and that was it. I would just, basically make fun of everything going on so i get out and Harry, gary goes who else do you do do you do anybody else and i said uh i said yeah i actually uh i do david lee roth i do a bunch of impressions all i said but a lot of the like you said a lot of the impressions you know i do the jack nicholson and i do all the typical stuff and the, and the robert de niro and all that other garbage and, it, and the appuccinos and so i said but i do david lee roth they said i've never heard anybody do a david lee roth so he goes well, what do we book you as david lee roth so the first time I did it in studio, it was with Cabby, and we didn't say that it was me, but then him and I got into like a thing on the air as David Lee Roth, and Howard loved it, and from that moment on, it was like, I was the David Lee Roth guy. But then, as fate would have it, a year and a half, two years later, who takes over for Howard? So that whole year of 2005 was a build-up, as you know, to divide and conquer, and to just, you know, totally... Uh, dump into David Lee Roth. So that was, it was just perfect. It was all perfect timing. That is I mean, it is crazy perfect timing. The one guy who takes over for him in New York is the guy that you do the impression of that you've been doing on the sh- It's crazy. You said you called in, so you were just a fan who called in, basically? And I always get... Yeah, comedian. I was a Long Island musician, comedian, and I was just starting in the... Because I, I used to go, I do all these impressions, and I and I would... I remember I used to do them on stage, and I thought... I really like this. I didn't. I was a singer, just a musician. On, and um, I said, "Don't let me try comedy." And I started getting into stand up. And all of a sudden, everything started to move like really fast. It was just a, one of those crazy things. Yeah. So that was uh, 
How does one get through? I I remember maybe a couple times going, I'm going to try and call. And I know it was always busy. And I'm like, this guy's got 70 million people, however many minutes listening to him. I always got curious how that... How many lines are there? I, I'm, that minutia, at some point, I'm going to get someone in b- behind the scenes. Because I know John is the guy who got y- y- you on the air. But just to get through without a busy signal, how, I mean. I don't know. It was just, it was the strangest thing. When Ozzy was on, I picked up the phone. <laughs> it was probably later in the morning. And I remember picking up the phone and calling. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Stone Show. <laughs> it was, I think it was John. It sounded like him. And I said, it's Ozzy. And I went through this whole thing with him. And he goes, he paused and he goes, hold on a minute. And all of a sudden, when you hear it, you can hear yourself get punched into the show because now you're listening to it on the phone. You're like, right. and then all of a sudden, you're listening to everything that's happening live. And uh, I remember going in and and I was like, oh, my God, I'm on. <laughs> and he punched me and he goes, Ozzy's here. He says there's a fake Ozzy that's here in the studio with us right now. And that's how it all started. Yeah, it was like, think about it. You know, the, what are the chances that they actually picked up? Picked up got through they liked it it was the first time i had ever called in and uh next in in four minutes i was on the show i was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> the rest is history i was gonna say so then what you went in studio what a week later is that how that worked oh, or was no it- actually it was a year of ozzy and the first time i was in studio was september 11th 2002 that was the first time no 2003 it was two years after 9-11. So on the anniversary of 9-11, I was on the show. Governor Pataki was on. The host of Survivor was there. You know, and it was my first time being introduced. And that's when I came in all dressed up as a Aussie. You know, I figured, let me go big or go home, you know. So, and then they just let me sit. They didn't, as a guest, they just let me sit there. And uh, they took me and they said, stay here the whole day. That's the, was the whole start of everything. How hard is it to kind of wedge your stuff in? Because, you know, I'm sure as a comedian, you're like, this is a big break. Don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> I want to make sure. Oh, it, is, it is nerve-wracking. It's like us sitting here. Imagine all of a sudden, now you got the... You could say something and actually affect the show that you've listened to all those years. And you got a microphone sitting right in front of you. And you got Artie Lang to your right. And you got, uh, you got Fred to your left. That's really how the whole dynamic was. And I'm sitting there going, and then I'm looking at Robin. This is the old K-Rock days in the distance. And I'm looking at the back, head, the head, the Howard's head, <laughs> the back of his head. And I'm going, how the hell did I get here? How did this happen? You know, but I said, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm just going to have a good time with it. It took me a little while. It takes That moment takes a little while. But once you get the, you know, once you get it going, it's a lot of fun. How many times were you in studio? Do you get kept count or? A lot. A lot. I would go in studio, um, you know, pretty often. I wouldn't say all the time, but I was in studio on a pretty regular basis. How often did you get to go in as yourself, I should say? <laughs> a couple times. That I got to go in a couple I, times. That was... Um, I would call there, you, but, you're in and you're like, told you what happened. You're, you had a baby or something and you told them or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You got a good... Yeah. <laughs> that was, so that was... The day that my son was born, I always tell him, you know, you know, it was like my a big media day. I said, you know, I was talking about you on the Stern show that day. And then I was on Broadway that night. And as um, I remembered, I was doing a, a show with Jim Brewer at Caroline's and uh, I, my phone went off and then he was born like a couple hours later. So I was like, yeah, and, you know, I was like one of those weird things. And then I, when I came back on again, I was like, you know, my kid was born. And I was like, yeah. And <laughs> What's the story? Like the stern baby. <laughs> so yeah, what was it like? Because you know, you, you go in as a character. 
um, you know, because of this great voice, but then it's, they accept you as Billy Mira. I mean, what was, what were those, like those moments going kind of as you continued on? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, after 2005, because after I took over the show, that was the coolest thing because it made all the newspapers at the time. That was a big thing. This was before Twitter and Facebook. All we had was, uh, were basically, I guess, the um, chat boards at those times, posting boards, yeah. and like Stern Fan Network. So we would go in there and talk to them or uh, websites. And that was, you know, there wasn't Twitter. You didn't know how many people were listening. It was crazy. But that day in 2000, the summer of 2005, when I took over and we did the mock takeover of David Lee Roth, it made every newspaper, every media source, everybody wanted to know who was that guy who did that. Like everybody said, who's the dude who actually did that? And that sparked off me being able to go on the road and be able to do all that stuff and then go on as myself and bring in all this other things that I do, which was, uh, which was beautiful. Were you on K-Rock for a few years there in the morning? It sounded like... Tell me about that. The Dave impression, like I said, is amazing. Do you get sick of having to do that all the time, or is it like, yeah, this is my, this is my standard yeah, to heaven? I love, I love when people remind me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I can remember the time. You know, this brings brings me back to when I was in Vegas and I was on Fox out there, and I was doing, uh, I was in sports. This is going back between 2011 and 2013, and I remember I was crossing a street. And this would happen. This was a crazy thing because on the West Coast, you'd think East Coast. I'm from here, but on the West Coast, people would always recognize it. I would say, "You're yeah, David Lee." <laughs> you, know, you, you haven't seen me on this other thing. <laughs> no, I just remember the David Lee Roth thing he used to do all the time. I'm like, "Oh my god!" I remember us crossing, and this guy is like rattling off all these bits, and I'm like, "You know, it's the it's the." I said, "How could you not like that?" You know? Do you? And they were like, I mean, the Chris was like, "What the hell is he talking about?" I'm like, "He's talking about a bit." I've heard Dana Carvey do his John Lennon, Paul McCartney thing a million times, and it sounds like he's really worked it out. David Lee Roth, it feels like you could just start talking like him, and you don't have to have a really a, a script for him, right? Like you could just sort of, if I just say, "Hey, Dave, tell me what's what's the weather like out there," and you could just kind of, I mean, do you has the weather? It's always sunny and gleamy. You know what I'm saying? It's always pearl pearl teeth <laughs> and the bright sunshine. You know. It's and he'll just go into this whole ridiculous analogy. That's that's Dave. Yeah. Do you have a script for him that you like when you're on stage, or do you just unicorn? <laughs> do, do you have a script for like the Dave part of your show, or do you just start? I mean, is there anything that no, you... no, no? I would sit there, and Howard would you know literally. See, the great thing about Howard is he would give me great questions that he knew I could work with. You know, stuff that unlike uh, me, how's knew. the weather? Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 but I mean, he just knew, you know, what to throw out that I could sit there and eat up and uh, jumble it. This, it all depended on something relevant. But yeah, he, I, you know, what's crazier is that a lot of the predictions that I made on the mock show that we did back in 2005, a lot of those predictions, oddly enough, came true. He did a lot of that stuff when he walked into the studio. He opened the windows, from what I understand, I think he put down... He just changed the whole atmosphere of the studio. He was doing it barefoot. I palm heard, trees. You know, yeah. Palm trees. I said, I'm going to rip out the walls. I'm going to put down sand and put up some palm trees. So we've got the sun shining in here tonight. You know, and it was like, he did all that crazy, all that crazy shit. Isn't it odd that, that I mean, there's so many people that could have taken that job. And I guess if you're a you know a radio head honcho, you have to think, all right, we're replacing the king of all media. I mean, the, so you do have to do. 
I, I guess I just couldn't imagine that that would work, though. I mean, he can talk and he can do his thing, but it's it's the problem with Dave. The problem with Dave is that he he's believe it or not a lot more cerebral than people think he is, and he's really uh, he's an intelligent guy. He's not an unintelligent person. He's a little bit out there and a little bit eccentric, but his life has given him that benefit to be able to do that, you know, has afforded him that. So um, the thing with Dave is I think he got a little too deep and didn't expand. He should have immediately put together a crew, somebody to bounce off of. He should have had a comedian in there with him, somebody to read. And I think he was doing it a little on the fly. I think he was learning. And But Think about Dave's position. He had nothing to lose. He was making $4 million a year, guaranteed money for whatever they lent the contract. So if you want to fire me in four months, he still gets paid. You know, uh, I think he wanted to be successful, but I think in the back of his mind, he knew what a task it was going to be. I just, I was a little surprised that he didn't take a couple of steps before then. But um, who knows? Who knows what he was thinking? I, you know, you ever, I think he. You ever meet him? Gonna get shot. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. met him? Have you ever done, been able to do this for him or to get to. Have a conversation with him uh, at all? No, but I do love the fact that he knows who I am and he's brought me up on a bunch of shows. So that, <laughs> that's been satisfaction. But him and I have never... I heard a rumor that when he was at K-Rock, he was going to ask me to come in. I don't know how true that is, but I heard through the grapevine that he was actually going to... They were trying to tout some Howard Stern personalities and people. And one of the people that if he had lasted that I heard through the grapevine was going to be made that he was going to ask to come in to somehow work with him. So that would have been great. Dueling but, Daves. Uh, Dueling Daves. There's more than just one of me. I can't do an impression of him, but... There's more than just one of me. Now, he does me better than I do me, you know? <laughs> the one and only Billy Mira. Billy, let me ask you a question, you know? Well, what do you want, Dave? <laughs> well, <laughs> I did the task list now to having my credit card and going to scores. <laughs> Now, you know, did I, you wake up in a strange room this morning? You know. <laughs> I always messed this up, but I remember when they when Dave and Sammy were touring together, I think Dave was on Howard's show, and he said, well, how do you guys decide who's going to finish the show? He goes, Sammy's good at either warming up or cooling down. <laughs> yeah, warming up or cooling down, you know. <laughs> Like he had already thought this. From was like speed balls to milkshakes. <laughs> oh man! You know, two big dogs, one dog ball. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, where does he get all these stupid sayings? Right. That's the brilliance of Dave, though. That's cool. what makes it. All. That's what I would do. I would prior to it, I would just maybe write down a few things and then pull them out that I could kind of say, "Well, there's some great Daveisms." That's always the preparation that we go into something like that. So I remember, yeah, when they brought him in to just be like the afternoon guy to test him out, I think it was. And he was talking up songs. And he was, you know, doing these, like for Ben Caught Stealing, he did this whole thing about a dog. And he, oh, look at the dog back there in the background barking. I hope that's not my dog. And you could tell he had nothing prepared. It was hilarious. It was like, now, if Dave was doing a, a music show talking up songs, I think I could I could be into that too. But it was it was pretty New case case <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned being in the studio with Artie. I'm a huge fan of Artie. Um, do you are you are, do you know Artie real well? And ha, how is he doing? How is he? Yeah. Where, where is he? What's uh, he, um, that's uh, me and Artie. Uh, I would consider him a friend. I wouldn't say we're like you know blood brothers, but uh, I do consider Artie a very good friend. Um, I hope he's doing good. Um, you know, I, I've heard that he's kind of fallen off the map as of late. Uh, so I hope that he's okay and everything's good. I'm praying, you know, 
uh, you know, I hear from Marty when everything's okay and not, you know, when everything's not okay, I kind of worry. But he may be just taking a break right now, you know? He just, maybe that's something that he needs. Maybe he's you afraid know? of COVID, you know? Maybe he doesn't want to get COVID. He, he likes everything else except for COVID. Yeah, I don't like COVID, you know? So anyway, let me, let me just talk about COVID for a second. So, you know, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I hope he's doing really well. I consider him a very good friend. Um, and then that's it. Yeah. That impression yeah. you just did was great to work with. I always had a great time. I was, yeah. I was going to say that impression you just did of him was the 2020 Artie Lang. Cause I saw he had a podcast at the beginning of the year and it was a lot of hand. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hand. So, and then he would sit there and he talks and he's got that growly voice, but now it seems like his mind is a little like, and I think that's, you know, for him, his mind is all over the place, you know, he's, but he's a comedic, you know, on funny comedic genius. Uh, and that's great. That's really important. Do you ever, you know, like, of that? Yeah, well, that's something I can relate to because I like to, in a conversation, I can interject a lot of funny stuff. So I can relate to him. So we relate to a lot to each other, except I do the impressions, you know. Did you ever yeah. tour with him? Did you ever do any of those, those big shows that he did? Because he, he was, man, I, that yeah. was the greatest thing for him. Like, just getting the, I remember, um, not radio, uh, Carnegie Hall. It was like a big deal to him to be playing that place, and I saw him come Think through. About it. Big place, it'd be big for anybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, a huge accomplishment from a kid from Jersey. You know, what were those? Was, what was it like just being around those tours? Because he was a, like the rock star of the show, so he was really the only guy going out and seeing the fans. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very interesting to watch because you know, in those years, there were a lot of hanger as You know, people. Uh, it was crazy. I'm sure it was crazy for him. You know, it wasn't as crazy for me. I just witnessed a bunch of stuff. Um, and I tried to, you know, to not be that guy with him, you know, all the time and try to try to keep everything, you know, as down to earth as possible. And, um, but I, I mean, I have a ton of stories that I wouldn't ever tell out in public. I've talked to him about it if he ever wanted to on, on the air, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Put it this way. I guess the question is, did anybody see that coming? Yes. Anybody who knew him well enough saw what was going to happen eventually. I didn't think it would go down the way it did on the show. And he's got so much, you know, talent already that, um, you know, he's got a great future if, if everything goes, you know, the right way for him. That was, su it sucked yeah. because for me, it was sort of the end of that, the show for me. I, I loved I loved the Jackie era. I was a kid when Jackie was on, and then I was in my twenties when when Artie was on. And I just I, when he was no longer on, I was like, this just isn't going to work for me. I can't. I have to hear Artie in there, just kind of jumping in and being. His one-liners were. Have you listened to the show since yeah. his departure? Yeah, I, I mean, especially just you know, and everyone talks about the Marcy Turk era. I mean it. It's just not the same, you know? And I understand evolving and all that stuff, um, but it's just not the same. I mean, it's, you know, it's still good. Howard still does great interviews, obviously, and uh, I can be entertained, you know? The, I really wanted to hear how he was gonna handle this whole COVID thing and working from home, and I do, uh, I enjoy hearing him talk about Trump because I know a lot of his listeners love Trump and love their guns. And he's like, well, you guys. Well, I think that's an amazing thing. I think anybody who knows the show long, just his anti-Trump rhetoric has been mind boggling, you know, but then on the other hand, who knows what, you know, kind of relationship they had. I don't know. That's what you just sit there and go, weren't you guys really good friends? <laughs> One time, I, I thought, 
But uh, I guess people, like you said, they evolve and they change. That's, a, that's probably right. oh, we evolved. The, sh the show's evolved. I what's he going to say what's you know what's gary going to say i love gary the sour shoes impression of baba Bowie is my favorite impression that sour shoes does i don't know if he you... does. does it's great oh it's great when i first heard about who sour shoes was i couldn't understand who the, so who the hell is sour shoes i'm like you know and then i listened to sour shoes and i'm like i became a fan you know i really love what he did he was just manic with the piano and coming out with all this stuff i'm like that's brilliant he's a savant yeah. yeah i mean i guess he's possibly oh maybe he's clearly has some sort of issue mentally but the fact that he can do these things he's, he's savantish it's you know it's it's great that and i love that's the thing that for howard there are times where I'm, I'm like i don't know wendy the slow adult or wendy the do we need that but there is that other side where that's her favorite part of her day you know it's like and howard maybe he's making fun of her to this millions of people but for wendy she loves it i don't know so that's very philosophical we don't need to get all that <laughs> think about it you know it was a brilliant move by Howard. He took people, you know, that otherwise might not have gotten a lot of attention, had a lot of attention, and all of a sudden they were getting a lot of attention. So for them it was a great thing. Howard got fodder for his show. They were getting attention. Everybody's happy one hand washed the other and both hands washed the face, you know. <laughs> That's very good. So again the show is different now. I get are you you're not really on there as much, right? I mean he doesn't really even have comedians call in or sit in or any of that. No, it's the craziest thing. I would love, I would always still relish the opportunity to go in there and volley with them on a regular basis again. Um, but like I said, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like the show has evolved into something completely different. Even when we used to go in there creatively, we had, it was just, it was a, I, look, it was a different vibe back then. I don't know what it's like now. It'd be unfair for me to say that. I just know that I'm called upon every once in a while to do something. Can you do this or do that? And Howard's always been gracious. So, but yeah, um, it's changed. Well, you did stuff with Tan Mom, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Tan Mom. Oh, Tan Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did a call, phone call with her. Let a lot of people heard. They like that. Tan Mom. I don't like Tan Mom. I don't get it, but um, that's fine. You're a fan of mine. <laughs> I like Tan Moms. I call it Tan Moms. Um, so COVID's been rough on comedians or performers, but I know you, you do a, a kind of a stage, uh, kind of a, like a big band type thing, Billy, Mira, and the Hitmen, and I, it looks like you're doing one here in this middle of the month, right? Or is that still happening, October 16th? But that, is the good, that is the question. So the laws keep changing, you know, on the shows, and I've kind of told my everybody my age, my bookers, I said, look, I know this sounds crazy. You know, besides interviews like this or anything, I'm not really interested in, in performing right now. I did a couple of small shows, and I did a uh, outdoor show on July 31st. And I said, if, it, if it's not like this, I'm not interested in doing it. Because I was doing a, a lounge thing also that was really doing well um, in Westbury. And it was every week, and it was kind of like a, a true supper club. I loved it. I really lived for it. And we built up such a great night. It was really high-end you know, upscale dining and entertainment. And um, I just said, if it can't be like this, I don't want to do it. Just let's wait till all this blows over and I'll bring the show back. Unless they lift all of the rules up and say, everybody can sit out. There's not six feet apart and all this other nonsense. Because, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of it. I just think it, maybe online I do something. And that's really the next talk is we may be talking about doing a full production show online. 
So are you a trained good. are you a trained singer or was this just something that you're like I like to sing and you know I like kind of having some fun up there. Look up and down like here I come <laughs> yeah, to say the dan I uh, yeah I I started training at a young age I did and a very young age I started to I can't tell if you're being serious or not now hold on I don't mean either. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah I started singing that was my first thing I wanted to be a, a an actor or a singer when I was younger naturally uh, like every other kid and um, I just kind of fell more into the music end of it and, and did drama up until high school. And I had a teacher that would say to me all the time, you really need to get an agent. You really should go out there and do it. And I, I remember at the time I was always like, man, I'm going to you know, do this musical thing. And um, why, I feel like I'm a big fan of pounding my head right into the pavement. So I'm going to go the musical direction. So um, it actually did okay. You know, I signed a small record deal years ago. And, but it, that career was just uh, so hard. So over the years, I studied with uh, Don Lawrence and other various teachers that I had. And so, but that was my first thing. That's how I started doing everything with just vocal exercises. <laughs> I guess I am trained. <laughs> no, I thought it was good. I watched, you know, yeah. I went, I researched for these things. And I'm like, wow, the guy can, he can croon a little bit. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then to, <laughs> to pivot from the rock thing, because I was a rock singer into this crooning personality. But it all really kind of uh, came to the forefront of my mind when I was in Vegas and I would pass all the casinos and I was invited to all these places. I said, you know, I should take everything I've ever done and combine it into one show and make it like a real Vegas style, you know, kind of variety show. And that's what I did with Billy Muir and the Hitman. When I got that idea and I started penning it when I was there and then I got back to New York and put it into overdrive. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been great. We were doing great up until this whole, you know, pandemic started. I had a lot of great things. I was going to go back to Vegas. We were talking about all these different shows and that we're booking and all that. It was crazy. I was going to do a lot of traveling this year, and it just stopped. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. I don't know what else to say. It's like the worst. You know what's funny? You're in St. Louis. Right. So you're with the famous uh, St. Louis phone call happened, David Lee Roth, St. Louis phone call. Uh, Dave Lash, remember that? Yeah, the, the, remember the, the, that the phone call where I called the Black Club in St. Louis. I don't remember this one. I'll have to look this one up. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the really well known one. Damn, David Lee Roth. I got I don't think I called it Ray Lash. Whatever he said, it's Damn David Lee Roth. You know who I am? I never heard of you. It's Damn David Lee Roth. I never heard of no Damn David Lee Rocket. <laughs> that's where it took place in St. Louis. How did you decide to, to use our fine town to be part of a, a practical joke? That is a Richard Christie find. <laughs> well, he's a Missourian, so yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would yeah. know. Now, yeah. you, you and Sal actually did some work together. I was surprised to see that you let him come up and croon with you as well. Is, is, he, is he musically trained? <laughs> or is, that, is that more for the comedy bit of this Dean Martin type? Yeah, he's a great mind and you know, a great entertainer personality. And, uh, you know, Sal can sing, you know, he, he can sing, he tries and, you know, he's coming along really well. And, uh, if, I don't know if you ever saw, we actually do a show. We've done a couple of shows together, like a Dean and Jerry type of thing. And we have a lot of fun with it. And it's something that really should be, could be explored in the near future, depending on what happens. But that was something that when we fought, we, we did a couple of shows, it went over really well. And I think that is a direction that we can go in. He's kind of like a singer like Jerry Lewis is, you know. 
insane. The Jerry Lewis comp is pretty good when you think about him. So yeah, keep, it, sounds like you keep in touch with a lot of those guys, right? Richard and Sal. I talk to all of those guys all the time. I talk to Sal all the time. I see every all the personalities from the shop. I consider you know all of them a certain part of my life that I'll never forget. And uh, who knows? A lot of our paths will cross professionally again, um, but I'm sure they will. Are sure they, they will. are they happy? I'm kidding. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> a lot of people get me on these these interviews and they try to cry me. So, what do you think of the new Sitchinem? I was like, it's great. You know, what well, am I going to say? No, I know. I, I, I was I'm not one of those guys that's going to bash the show. I, you know, whatever they do, whatever thing I want to say is whatever Howard decides to do on his show, he's allowed to do. It's Howard. I, and you uh, also have the. Yeah, the ability to turn out if you don't like it. Yeah, and I and I, I had uh, Brian Phelan, who I don't know if you remember him, an e-camera guy. Who's Brian, the, Brian, yeah, sure. And I, I uh, take him to the same. He used to put my son on the jumbotron all the time. I'm a big Islander fan. So it was funny because I just said, "All right, who who's an asshole there? Just give me give me a name." He goes, "Whoa, high pitch Eric!" <laughs> right away, I had a name. So I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's a good one." Those are characters, yeah. Those are, those are characters, and there are people that you know. Once you get to know them, you know who is a little off. Yeah, and uh, Eric is uh, definitely a little off. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this uh, again. This was fun, and I, I love, of course, the, the 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 phone calls and the appearances. And I really do hope things get better in twenty twenty one for all of us, uh, including you. Is there anything you want to plug or promote or tell people where to go to to find out more about? Yeah, people? just keep checking back at BillyMiraAndTheHitman dot com. You can also get me on Facebook, Billy M I R A, and uh, Billy Mira and the Hitman Facebook page. And like, send us a like, and uh, you'll see when the shows are coming up. And um, hope everybody else gets through this pandemic and stays safe. And it was an it was awesome being interviewed by Norm McDonald, by the way. Yeah, Norm, thanks so much. You know, <laughs> uh, you've Prince, never heard that before. No, I have. Uh, I'm just gonna get ready to do my joke. Prince today decided to change his name to a symbol that is unpronounceable. I will continue to call him what I've always called him, the fruit. It's funny. Everyone who comments on these says that I get that. Or and I, back in the when I was a little more younger and more handsome, I got Seth MacFarlane a little bit. So I get a few. But the Norm one is stuck. It really has. And I love Norm. So hopefully he'll see yeah. us and want to come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, Tim said hi. Well, a, and Tim, I'm gonna. Tim Sabian is a great man, and I'm gonna try to get him back on here. He's got more stories to tell, I'm sure. So we just we scratched the surface on our first one. So uh, we'll definitely get him on. Thank you. Billy, and thank you for watching here. Here's the pitch. Again, sponsored by Masses Restaurants. Five locations in St. Louis. stlmasses.com is their website. Go there to see the menus and figure out where they are. If you're driving through St. Louis or if you're from St. Louis, you know about them. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.